Open up your Bibles to Nehemiah 1, 1 through 11. We're looking at Nehemiah 1, 1 through 11 again. We looked at Nehemiah 1, 1 through 11 last week. Uh, we looked at how gr- all great Christian stories begin. It began with God's people receiving God's burden and persisting in prayer. And uh, we're going to kind of dig into prayer a little more this morning, but with uh, a little more focus toward hopefully teaching the, the children in our midst how to pray, because it is Family Worship Sunday, Family Worship Sunday, and we're pumped about that. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that we do this is because we want the children in our midst to know that they are important to us, uh, that their presence matters here, and that we want them here Uh, They're not a problem. They're not uh, a nuisance. They are uh, image bearers who uh, have the same ontological worth as we do. They are loved and and, and desired and and known and and wanted here. Uh, And one one thing that is uh, somewhat unusual about our church plant is that we got started with an enormous amount of young children. I don't know if you could tell by just simply looking around, Uh, but we have an enormous amount of young children and that's, uh, that's fairly unusual for uh, young church plants, um, but, but I'm really thankful that things happened in that way uh, because it gave us somewhat of a long-term perspective um, in that we, we don't just want to be a church for this decade, for this generation. Uh, we want to be a church for the generations to come. Um, and so what, what, what a gift to be able to bring all the children in whenever there's a fifth Sunday of the month and celebrate that these young ones in our midst are indeed our future. Uh, and so that, uh, that, um, it, that w- we desire, therefore, to, in the present, uh, show them that they are loved and, and, and known and, and wanted here. And, and in so doing, we also want to encourage parents uh, to love and lead their children with this in mind. Uh, now, if you don't have children or your children are grown, uh, you should know that you're not any less a part of this church. Uh, your, your worth is not diminished at all. You're, sti- you're still very much needed and appreciated here. Uh, and I hope uh, our, our church and practices like Family Worship Sunday never communicate anything else to you. Uh, but I'd like you to consider your role in bringing these children up as well this morning. Um, It's actually in our membership covenant uh, that if one has children, uh, they're covenanting with the church to bring their children up in the discipline and admonition of the Lord. Uh, And so you have an active role, because it's in our membership covenant, you have an active role in holding parents accountable to that and and helping them along in that. Uh, and, and, And you should also take an active role in caring for these little ones in our midst. Um... You are indeed, by, just by nature of covenanting with this church family, you are spiritual aunts and uncles here. Uh, and, and I know that many of you know that. Uh, that's why so many of you, uh, ha- uh, we have such wonderful examples of that. And, and those of you who serve in family ministry, I can't tell you how many times I've seen like a, a Bethany Sibbett or Josiah Stroh just hanging with kids and playing this role so well. And many, of you, many others of you do this as well. Uh, and, and so uh, let this Sunday be an encouragement to you to continue in this good work. Um, now, boys and girls, uh, you received a handout uh, when you walked in this morning, and, and possibly a couple of uh, colored pencils as well. Uh, this is what it looks like, and this is the inside of it. And here's what I want you to do with this. Uh, I want There are fill-in-the-blanks here, and I want you to fill in each of these blanks. 
um, I want you to fill in each of these blanks here. Uh, and so what, what that means is you're going to have to listen really closely to the sermon so that you know what to fill in here. And what I'm going to do is whoever the first two children are that come up to me with these filled out after the service, uh, whoever the first two children are, they are going to get books. Um, one is a book called uh, The Ch- Church History ABCs. This is a great book. Uh, it's, there's all sorts of cool stories in here and cool people in here that have led in the church for the last 2,000 years. Uh, and this book, it, this is probably appropriate for, uh, what is it, three to six-year-olds? Three to six-year-olds. Uh, and this is another one, a similar book, but it's got a lot more people in it, and it's, it's a bit longer. And so it's maybe a, a, for kids that are a bit older, maybe uh, four to ten, perhaps, um, and this book is called Everyone a Child Should Know. And this uh, walks through uh, 52, I think 52 uh, people from church history from the last 2,000 years. And it teaches you about them and what they did uh, to help serve God's people. Uh, and so if you fill out those blanks and you come up to me and show me that after the service, I'm going to give you one of these books. And so make sure to pay close attention. All right. Well, we are going to dig into Nehemiah 1. 1 through 11, Nehemiah 1, 1 through 11. Also, I should say, if you need your parents' help, that's okay. If you need your parents' help, that's okay. Um, If you can't write, just make sure to listen closely and ask your mom and dad to help you. All right. Well, Nehemiah 1, 1 through 11, if you'd like to stand with me for the reading of God's holy and precious word, let's listen with reverence and joy to Nehemiah 1, 1 through 11. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah. Now it happened in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you have commanded your servant Moses. Remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, From there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, Your word 
Is a pool uh, shallow enough for children to play in? And yet a pool deep enough for elephants to wade in? And so we ask that it would be that for us this morning. That it would be clear and concise and proclaimed uh, with clarity so that the young ones can understand. But also, Lord, uh, would you apply it to all of our hearts Um, with wisdom, love, and grace. Help us to believe your word, to believe the statements of your word, to, to trust the promises of your word, and to obey the commandments of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Well, boys and girls, um, has there ever been a time in your life where you've needed help? Where you've needed help? Uh, Maybe there have been times in your life where you've needed help getting dressed, and so you ask your mom and your dad to help you get dressed. Or maybe there have been times where you've been hungry and you really wanted something to eat, but you couldn't get something down from the cupboard, or you didn't know how to prepare something, so you asked your mom or your dad to help you. Uh, Maybe you had an assignment from school that was really difficult, You, you couldn't Uh, quite understand it or had trouble completing it, so you ask your mom or your dad or your teacher to help? Well, we all need help sometimes, and God knows this. He knows that we need his help, and because God knows that we need his help, he's given us this gift, this gift called prayer, this gift called prayer. Uh, and, and, And who knows what prayer is? Anybody know what prayer is? Any What's prayer, Katie? Yeah, that's right. It's talking to God, right? That's right. Prayer is talking to God. Really good job. Um, that, so prayer is simply this. It means talking to God. Uh, God speaks to us, right? That's what the Bible is. The Bible is God speaking to us. And in the Bible, he invites us to speak back to him in prayer, uh, to have a conversation with him. That when we speak back to God, that's called prayer. Well, right now at Sunday Church, we're learning from the book of Nehemiah. And the book of Nehemiah is the story about how God used this man named Nehemiah to accomplish some really big and important things. God called Nehemiah to rebuild the city of Jerusalem and to lead the people, the church, back to God. The city of Jerusalem where the people lived, where the people of God lived, it was destroyed and its walls and buildings had fallen down and were destroyed, so it needed to be rebuilt. And God's people in the city were in trouble too. They had not been following and obeying God. They were running away from God instead. And so God, God called Nehemiah to lead his people to run back to God. And this was a really big and important job. Uh, in fact, it was such a big and important job that Nehemiah needed help. He knew that he couldn't do this without God's help. So Nehemiah prayed. And this morning, we want to learn from the way that Nehemiah prayed. Uh, You know, we may not be called to lead in the exact same way that Nehemiah did, but God still calls all of us to follow Jesus. He calls all of us to help others follow Jesus. And so that's a really big and important job that we all have. And so we should learn to pray like Nehemiah did. So this morning, we're going to learn how to pray from Nehemiah. We're going to learn how to pray from Nehemiah. And this sermon is called Learning to Pray with Nehemiah. And we're going to see how, how God calls us to pray uh, persistently and patiently. And first, we're going to look at, uh, from Nehemiah, how to pray. 
and then from Nehemiah what to say, how to pray and what to say. Uh, First, we look at how to pray because Nehemiah teaches us how to pray. And then second, what to say, because sometimes uh, we all have problems with this. Sometimes we go to pray and we don't know what to say. And so uh, God's word gives us a lot of helpful models and words for prayer that we can learn from. And one of those is found here in Nehemiah 1. Uh, And and, and Nehemiah teaches us what to say here. So how to pray and what to say. First, we see how to pray. Uh, We see here that Nehemiah's brother and several of his friends came from the city of Jerusalem to the city that Nehemiah was in. And when they visit, Nehemiah asks them about how God's people are doing. But the news is actually really bad. Uh, The city walls had been burned down and had not been rebuilt. The people were really sad and ashamed. And when Nehemiah hears this, he's really sad. He he starts crying and he stops eating and and he starts praying. And as followers of Jesus, we should show the same sort of concern for God's people, the church. We should be concerned about whether or not God's people are loving and uh, obeying God. We should be concerned about those of God's people who haven't heard about Jesus yet, but who will come to believe in Jesus through us. Uh, there's another man who is a good example of this, a man named William Carey. Uh, can we put that picture of William Carey up on the... Uh, this is a man named William Carey, and William Carey was a cobbler. Who knows what a cobbler is? A cobbler is someone who makes shoes. We all wear shoes, and so we need people to make shoes. Well, William, William Carey made shoes. And uh, what William Carey used to read, uh, uh, when he would read uh, Captain Cook, he would read about all of these travels and all of these different nations and lands that he had never heard of before. And whenever he would read these, these books about uh, Captain Cook's travels, he would hear about these nations and these lands that he had never heard of before, and he started to wonder about them and to be concerned about them. And eventually he drew a really big map. Do you see the map on his wall over here? You see the map on his wall? He drew a really big map on his wall and he wrote down all the names of all the nations and lands on that map and he did that in his shop where he made shoes so that he could be reminded to pray for the people in those nations and lands. He would pray for the churches in those nations and lands that they would grow and that they would continue to grow in loving Jesus more. And he would pray for those lands that didn't have churches in them. And he would pray that that people would be sent, Christians would be sent to those lands to tell people about Jesus. Um, And and so he showed great concern uh, for the church and for the cause of of God in the world. And, And eventually, because he was so concerned, he moved all the way to India to tell people about Jesus there. He became a missionary, moved all the way to India to tell people about Jesus there. But it all started with William Carey praying in his shop and being concerned about the people of God. And like William Carey and like Nehemiah, we should be people who pray for God's people and, who, uh, and, and for those who have never heard about Jesus too. And from Nehemiah, we're also taught how we're to pray. First notice how Nehemiah prays persistently. Uh, Can you say persistently? Persistently, yes. In verse 6, 
Nehemiah in his prayer, he says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel. Nehemiah prayed day and night. Day and night he prayed. And it's not just Nehemiah who had done this. God's people have done this for a really long time, going back thousands of years. This is what God's people had done in the Old Testament. This is what God's people, the church, have done uh, in in the New Covenant uh, all over the world ever since the church began uh, 2,000 years ago. God's people have woken up in the morning, and before they eat breakfast, before they go to work, before they go to school, they pray. And likewise, every night before they go to bed, God's people have prayed. And this is a good practice for you too, boys and girls. Uh, It it doesn't have to take a very long time, but every morning you would do well to get up and make your bed and pray. And every night before you go to bed, you you would do well to, to kneel down, fold your hands, close your eyes and pray. And you would do well to pray persistently. That's what we see Nehemiah doing here. But we not only see Nehemiah pray persistently, we see him pray patiently. Can you say patiently? Patiently, that's right. Well, in Nehemiah 1.1, we see that Nehemiah started praying in the month of December. And then in Nehemiah 2.1, we see Nehemiah's prayer answered in April. That means that Nehemiah prayed from December to January, January to February, February to March, and March to April. That's four months of hard praying, day and night. That means Nehemiah prayed like this for four months. That's a really long time, isn't it? You know, Nehemiah learned to pray. Uh, and, and, and for us to learn how to pray, we must be patient as well. Uh, praying is hard work. And Nehemiah doesn't see God answer his prayer for four months. Every day and every night, Nehemiah is praying, and every day comes and goes for four months without God answering Nehemiah's prayer. And you know, a, a few weeks ago, we told uh, uh, Lavinia and Dietrich that we were going to go to the zoo in the fall time. In the fall time, it's about four months away that we're going to go to the zoo, and and it's easy for our family to get impatient about going to the zoo because we're so excited about it. But we have to wait. And sometimes we have to wait patiently for God to answer our prayers as well. It's hard, but we need to keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. We need to pray patiently. And you know, you might be thinking, okay, Pastor Garrison, I hear you. We're supposed, we're supposed to pray persistently. We're supposed to pray patiently. That's how we pray, but sometimes I just don't even know what to say when I pray. Who, who's ever had that problem where you go to pray and you just don't know what to say? I think everybody has had that problem before. Um, well, the Bible helps us with this. God helps us with this. There are many prayers in the Bible that give us words and models for prayer, and one of them is found here in Nehemiah. And what Nehemiah does here is he prays by first telling God how great and how good he is, And then he tells God that he's sorry for his sin. Then he tells God, thank you. And last, he tells God about his needs. So let's look at each one of those really quickly. First, Nehemiah tells God how great and good he is. We should always pray. Whenever we pray, we should always tell God how great and how good he is. Nehemiah does this when he says to God, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Nehemiah is telling God how great he is. He calls him the Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God. 
And he tells God how good he is. He says, you are the God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love. He tells God how great and how good he is. This is called adoration. Can you say adoration? Adoration. Adoration is what we do when we really enjoy something, when we really enjoy something, so much so that we can't help but talk about it and how great it is, how wonderful it is. Uh, How many of you like ice cream? Everybody likes ice cream. And for those of you who can't have dairy, your life is sad. Um, Ice cream is really good and delicious, isn't it? Ice cream is really good and delicious. Vanilla ice cream, chocolate ice cream, cookie dough ice cream, it's all so good. Uh, And what happens when your mom or your dad tell you uh, that you're going to get ice cream? You probably cheer and talk about how much you enjoy ice cream. You get so happy. Well, you know, when we pray, we should express our enjoyment of God in a similar way. We should tell him how great and how good he is because he's just so wonderful. He's so good. He's so great. And we just enjoy him so much that we should tell him that. Uh, Next, uh, we should tell God that we're sorry for our sin. You should tell God that you're sorry for your sin. We see Nehemiah's prayer uh, that, that, um, that we should not only tell God how great and how good he is, but we should also tell God that we're sorry for our sin. This is called confession. Can you say confession? Here you go. And we see Nehemiah do this in his prayer when he says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. We all disobey God, don't we? We all disobey God. And God tells us in Ephesians 6.1 that we should obey our parents, but we don't always obey our parents, do we? God's word tells us that we shouldn't lie, but sometimes we lie, don't we? God's word tells us that we should love our neighbors as ourselves, but we don't always love our neighbors as ourselves, do we? Well, God, God's word tells us that instead of trying to hide our sin from God, he calls us to pray to him and to tell him about our sin. And next we see Nehemiah tell God, thank you. Nehemiah tells God, thank you. You know why? Because although we sin and don't obey God perfectly, he promised to forgive his people. This is a really important part. He promises to forgive his people if we run away from our sin and run to him instead. If we run away from our sin and run to him instead, if we run away from our sin and run toward God instead, because of what Jesus has done, God is always there to welcome us with open arms. And Nehemiah is remembering this when he prays, saying, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. And if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I've chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Nehemiah is saying to God, thank you for your promises, God. Thank you for being a promise-keeping God and forgiving us when we run to you. This is why we should always tell God thank you when we pray. And lastly, we should tell God about our needs. That's what we see Nehemiah do when he says, O Lord, let your ear be attentive 
to the prayer of your servant and to the, to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Remember what we talked about in the beginning. We all need help sometimes. We all need help sometimes, don't we? And God had called Nehemiah to do a really big job, didn't he? And so Nehemiah is asking God for help. He needs God to help him to do this really big job that God had called him to do. He needed supplies and money. He needed his his boss to give him a vacation from his job. He needed God to give him strength and lots of other things uh, so, so that Nehemiah could accomplish this big job. And he knows that God is big enough and great enough to help. And not only that, he knows that God is so good that he is willing to help. So Nehemiah asks God and tells God his needs. So boys and girls, if you ever go to pray and you don't know what to say, remember what Nehemiah does here. You should tell God how great and good he is. You should tell him that you're sorry for your sin. You should tell him thank you. And you should tell him about your needs. And you know what else? Because of what Jesus has done, we can know that God listens to our prayers. God is so good and we are so bad that we actually don't deserve to have God listen to our prayers. But because of what Jesus has done, because he died on the cross, we can be forgiven and welcomed by God as his very own children. God is our father and we are his sons and daughters if we trust in Jesus. And because of what Jesus has done, and because we become God's sons and daughters when we trust in him, we can be certain that God listens to our prayers, just like our moms and dads listen to us and help us when we ask them. Just like your moms and dads are always ready and willing to help you when you need it. God is always there, ready and willing to help you when you need it. He's so great and so good. That's why we should pray persistently and patiently, that's why we should tell God how great he is and good, how good he is. That's why we should tell him that we're sorry for our sins. That's why we should tell him thank you. And that's why we should tell him about our needs. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are so great and so good. God, you, you are uh, the, the covenant-keeping God, the faithful God, always faithful to your promises, always faithful to your people. And Lord, we do confess that, that we have sinned against you, that we don't uh, pray as we ought, that we don't obey you as we ought to. And so, Lord, we, we give you thanks for your promises that you give us pardon and peace with you, that you forgive us for our sins. And Lord, we ask that you would help us as your people to continually come to you when we need help, to ask you for help. We ask you that, that you would help us to follow Jesus faithfully and to help others to, lead, uh, to, to follow Jesus faithfully as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a few moments for quiet, I won't say silent, but quiet reflection before approaching the Lord's table. And Dan will come up and lead us that, in that in a moment.